0: This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for January 14th, 2019. Although some people might like it otherwise, you can't impeach a president because you don't like his policies. In this show, I talk to a constitutional lawyer who gives the legal reasons why a president can, and according to him, should be impeached. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, What matters is the strength of your argument,
1: not the strength of your voice.
0: In a few minutes, we'll have this.
1: People don't usually plead guilty to federal crimes that they haven't committed. Oh,
0: Yes, they do. People plead guilty to crimes they didn't do all the time if they're told by a prosecutor that that will get them out of being convicted for much more serious crimes that they did commit. That's coming up in a moment, but first I want to say sorry for the podcast being less than weekly recently. I've had a lot on my plate, but I've also just taken on help from an assistant producer, Nick Albertson. Hopefully we will be more on schedule working together. Now the interview. On the line I have Ron Fine. Ron is the legal director of freespeechforpeople.org. He's a constitutional lawyer and previously served as an assistant regional counsel for the EPA. He received a National Gold Medal for Exceptional Service for that. He's also the co-author of a book called The Constitution Demands It, The Case for the Impeachment of Donald Trump. I'm guessing you're not a Trump fan, Ron?
1: Well, I would say that's accurate. And But the point I want to emphasize here is the issues that are covered in our book and in our campaign are not about uh, Trump's personality or about uh, the contested policies that uh, he supports when those policies are within the bounds of the Constitution. It's more about the issues where he's gone outside of the norms of the law and the Constitution and gone further than uh, these foundational principles allow.
0: Yeah, you've got also a website called impeachmentproject.org. So clearly, you're very much on one side of this argument. Isn't this going a little bit too far? That's a a very serious uh, constitutional process to impeach a president. It has never happened. It's only really been attempted once. Are you sure it's justified?
1: Yes. So, what's important for people to know about the history of impeachment uh, is that Congress has the power to impeach uh, federal officers, including the president. Congress has impeached uh, many federal judges, and there has been a successful presidential impeachment process, which is Richard Nixon. Uh, although the process didn't play out to its full conclusion, he, he jumped he, before he, he was resigned. pushed. That's right, and you know that's that's a sign of. Uh, He recognized uh, the writing on the wall, and if he had stayed to play it out until its end, he would have been uh, fully impeached and convicted. So that process was uh, an example of how the system can work well. Okay.
0: I understand what you're saying on that. but. Yeah, and I'm sure that you know maybe 49% of the listeners to this podcast will be saying, you know, go, yeah, impeach him. And 49% will be saying, what the hell, that's completely unjustified. I think, though, that those two different polarities will split down, not by their view of the Constitution, not by what they think is uh, right for a president to do or not, but purely in a partisan way. You can't really separate this from
1: the partisan opposition to the president, can you? Well, the Constitution defines impeachment as both a legal process and a political process. Mm -hmm. It is partly legal in that it's based on constitutional standard, but it's partly political because the framers of the Constitution gave it to Congress. Mm -hmm. not to the courts to decide impeachment. And they were well aware that there would be uh, an an element of politics in it or else they wouldn't have given it to Congress. Mm -hmm. But what's important is for people to focus on the principles and to say that regardless of how I might feel about the president's views on tax policy or, uh, or, or you know, health care policy. Let's focus on the facts and the legal principles and if okay, a president th- th- from there's, the other Okay, there's, where I, want to, so, there's yes, where I want this to interview. stop you.
0: And, and I suspect, and I'm sure you'll push it you back against this, but I suspect most of the people who will support you, and also most of the people who will oppose you on this, will be doing it because of their views on his tax policy and because of their views on immigration and so forth. But Avoiding that, tell me the legal reasons. Essentially, give me your the, the whole of your book in a couple of sentences. The legal reasons why you think Donald Trump should be impeached.
1: That's a great question. So to answer that, I need to start with some background information Mm -hmm. on what the Constitution says about impeachment. The Constitution says that Congress can impeach any federal officer, including the president, for treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, a, a lot of people understand what treason and bribery mean, but high crimes and misdemeanors requires a little bit of explanation. Mm -hmm. Some people are under the impression that high crimes and misdemeanors requires a federal crime. But what both the history of the Constitution itself and the history of how Congress has actually applied that standard for over 200 years show that impeachable high crimes and misdemeanors are serious offenses that undermine our constitutional democracy, whether or not they violate a criminal statute. And importantly, the purpose of impeachment is not to punish the offender, but rather to protect the country. Mm -hmm. So with that background, I can explain the the grounds for impeachment hearings. And it is important to understand that the impeachment process begins with hearings, begins Mm -hmm. with a a committee in the House of Representatives, usually the, the Judiciary Committee, which would gather facts, hold hearings, and then take a vote at the committee level, on whether to recommend articles of impeachment to the full House. And at that point, with a fully developed record, the House of Representatives would take a vote on those articles of impeachment. And if it votes to impeach, then there's one more step, which is a trial in the Senate, Mm -hmm. uh, at which point uh, the president, uh, if he is uh, convicted by a two-thirds vote, would be removed from office. Mm -hmm. So we've identified 10 distinct grounds for impeachment hearings and the first one arose from the moment that the president took office which is that he's been pocketing money from foreign governments uh from corrupt foreign dictators in particular and our constitution specifically for example the united arab emirates saudi arabia she should know how
0: you say that's a huge charge he's been pocketing corrupt payments from corrupt foreign governments Uh, what was the root of that that money
1: Well, it comes through his businesses. So he has business interests both in the United States and abroad in uh, dozens of countries Mm -hmm. in which uh, he receives money through payments through these businesses. Now, before he was inaugurated, after he won the election, he said that he was going to separate himself. From his businesses, so that he would be in compliance with the Constitution. Which sure, and, and he hasn't done, and
0: he hasn't done that, and that would seem to me incredibly unwise. But lack of wisdom is not uh, a an impeachable offense. And if his foreign governments are, for example, booking out his hotels when they might not have previously, then you can be very suspicious
1: about their motives. But you can't really say much about his motives, can you? You know, the the framers of the Constitution put the protection against taking payments from foreign governments as a protection because they had seen what had happened in history. And it is hard sometimes to prove a bribery case. But when you see uh, cases where Uh, For example, uh, Saudi Arabia does a a hotel, a massive hotel booking in uh, one of his New York City hotels that is single-handedly responsible for keeping that hotel afloat during the last fiscal year. And then his policy towards, for example, the the killing of uh, an American journalist inside Uh, a Saudi uh, consulate uh, is, uh, you know, plainly contradictory to what any other president, Democrat or Republican would have done. It gives rise to some suspicion. And that's the type of issue that the framers were concerned to uh, protect. That's why they put it in the constitution. And that's why they specifically said it was an example of an impeachable offense.
0: Okay, let let me just check because you're the constitutional lawyer and I'm not. If we have information, A, that he is generous in his policy towards Saudi, and we certainly do, and B, that Saudi are generous in their bookings in uh, Trump hotels, is that enough? Do you not need to link the two?
1: You know, the emoluments, which is the, the technical term for these, these these foreign emoluments prohibitions mm-hmm. in the constitution are flattened. They don't just apply to the president, they actually apply to every federal officer. And so, Every federal official, which includes actually even retired military officers, is flatly prohibited from taking money from a foreign government. Period. And part of the reason is that it sometimes can be difficult to link the influence. And what we don't want to do is have to, in every single case, investigate the extent of the president's conflict of interest. Now, in some cases, he's actually confessed to it. In 2015, he openly said that he has a conflict of interest in Turkey because of the, the Trump Towers in Istanbul. So we We know in that case in particular, he's admitted that the president of Turkey, who's uh, an autocrat, has leverage over Trump because he can do things to damage the Trump Towers. In other cases, he may not have openly confessed to that type of conflict of interest, but it's always there. And that's why conflict of interest provisions, anti-corruption provisions, are there to protect us from having to prove in every case.
0: But so in your view, as a lawyer, those two facts existing is sufficient. A, proving a link is not required.
1: Not for a violation of this provision. Now, okay. if we wanted to okay. say that is so, doesn't so, so bribery, two. That reason would number two. You, a
0: you gave you said ten
1: reasons. So, right. so give me reason number two. Sure. Uh, the second one is conspiring to make and conceal unlawful campaign payments to influence mm-hmm. the 2016 election. Now, he has been named in a. Uh, federal uh, criminal filing uh, as individual one. Uh, Individual one is the Mm -hmm. president of the United States, uh, in which his uh, former lawyer, Michael Cohen, uh, confessed and the prosecutors, federal prosecutors uh, confirmed that individual one directed Michael Cohen to make Illegal campaign payments to influence the 2016 election. Our election was decided by a very narrow.
0: In fact, you could say it wasn't decided by margin at all because he lost the popular vote, but the and and he won the the uh, the electoral college vote quite handily. But are you saying that a payment to these former porn stars that uh, are you sure you can call that a, a an election expense?
1: oh, uh, you don't have to take my opinion for this. You can take Michael, opinion, Michael Cohen's opinion. He pled guilty to a federal crime and the federal prosecutors and the judge have, have accepted that guilty plea. That's There's no question that's a federal crime because it's already been uh, entered into the, the federal criminal yeah, court. Yeah, yeah,
0: hold on. Michael Cohen said it. Michael Cohen clearly uh, is no longer a friend of uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, he's publicly said that he wants to take down Donald Trump. Uh, he could be motivated to lie
1: people don't usually plead guilty to federal crimes that they haven't committed in these types of circumstances. Oh, yes, they do. People compl- oh, no, don't prosecutor- go. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait a minute. People plead guilty to crimes they didn't do all the time if they're told by a prosecutor that that will get them out of being convicted for much more serious crimes that they did
1: commit. If you think that the payments that Michael Cohen made, which he has confessed were done at the coordination and direction of the president, Mm -hmm. which were surreptitious payments uh, that were designed to prevent unfavorable information from coming out before the election, which the president's current lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has said, imagine if this information came out in October – when the debates were happening and uh, in, in which virtually all campaign finance experts and lawyers agree is a violation of federal campaign finance law and which corresponds directly to some of the things that happened in the Nixon administration when they made surreptitious payments uh, to prevent unfavorable information from coming out during the 1972 election. Uh, no one is arguing seriously that there isn't a federal crime here. The question is, uh Trump himself has uh is you know denied his involvement in, and is saying that Michael Cohen is lying. The the factual evidence well, is clearly pretty not clear credible. I I think that no one seriously believes when when Trump denies that he had any involvement in this. Uh, And, you know, we have a tape recording of Michael Cohen talking about it with
0: Trump. I I agree. Nobody believes Trump. I don't even think Trump doesn't believe Trump uh, uh, on that. But it would be entirely plausible, wouldn't it, for him to argue that, well, I didn't want my wife to find out I was having an affair, so I paid paid off uh, this point star. I, I to, he could have said, I, I would have done that if there was no election going.
1: Yeah. So first of all, that's not what Rudy Giuliani said. And Rudy Giuliani, as the president's current criminal defense lawyer, specifically linked it to the election time frame. And the timing is critical. Mm-hmm. If this had happened, the, the, the affair with Stormy Daniels happened in, I believe, 2006. Mm-hmm. So if this had happened in 2007 or 2008, then... Uh, That would be a lot more credible. But the fact that these payments were made in late 2016 with the election bearing down, nothing had changed in terms of his desire not to uh, embarrass his wife. But the fact that he made these payments both uh, for the Stormy Daniels affair and for the Stephanie Clifford affair Mm. in the context of the, the summer and fall of the election are highly indicative that this was linked to the election. Okay, Ground number three. Uh, This is another election-related offense conspiring to solicit and conceal illegal foreign assistance for his presidential campaign. So we don't know everything that has happened between uh, Trump and uh, the Russians, uh, but what we do know is that his high-level campaign operatives – solicited foreign assistance from uh, Russian government operatives, whom they knew to be Russian government operatives, at a meeting in Trump Tower in June of 2016. Mm -hmm. And while there's still some facts that could be further developed uh, in terms of exactly what the president knew and when he knew it, there's highly suggestive evidence that indicates that he knew about the meeting uh, before it happened. And he has admitted to uh, dictating a misleading public statement about the purpose of the meeting, which indicates consciousness
0: of guilt. Okay. Um, I can see that those are three very serious grounds that they will probably come uh, to bite him on the ass. But, uh, and I'm not going to, for listeners who are ready to hit the fast forward button, I'm not going to get you to go through all ten. But I want to put to you one thing that I think is the most serious and it strikes me that commentators generally don't think that this is the most serious uh, thing. And the most serious thing is that He appears to be within the power of leverage of Vladimir Putin. I don't know why that's true. One can guess and one can surmise, and there's been evidence of various quality brought into the public domain about that. But... When he, for example, said the Russian invasion of Afghanistan was justified, when he justified uh, Vladimir Putin ordering the murder of uh, Russian journalists who opposed him, these seem to be things that he has a command of detail that is much greater than his command of other details on other much more important topics. And it really seems that there is some sort of channel there, uh, or he has, he is motivated in some way to support a level of ideology that doesn't happen outside of uh, Putin's party within Russia. Is that part of the uh, the the case that you would
1: make? I agree with you that it is highly suspicious that he seems to have uh, detailed access to Russian government talking points on uh, topics that are not even in, in the current news, like the, the Russian or Soviet at the time invasion of Afghanistan in the seventies, and we don't know all of what is behind his unusual relationship with with uh, the Russians we do know that uh during the 2000s when he was experiencing serious financial difficulties that he was essentially rescued by russian investment in many of his properties and mm-hmm. much of that is from Uh, oligarchs. Uh, Much of it uh, may have violated uh, money laundering statutes. And it is entirely possible that the Russian intelligence services have access to information about how Trump conducted his business uh, that is extremely unfavorable i I can only speculate about that but oh, oh, what well I, think- I can do i can
0: do I can do more than speculate. I yep. have an amount of knowledge of Russia and Russian, and I can say that with one hundred percent certainty, anyone who is a wealthy person, an oligarch, or even much further down the chain is one hundred percent they are that rich because they are permitted to be that rich by Putin's power system there is it's not that the the there is a closeness between wealth and government power in Russia they are the same thing and they are uh, their ends are combined and i would strongly suspect that uh, his just from my knowledge of the property market that his his uh, recovery was aided by Russian investment, and that Russian investment had multiple intentions, one of which was to bring him on as an asset. But is that illegal?
1: So the the details of the Russian investment, uh, some of which are, are still coming out, um, uh, will will vary but i i suspect that much of it was in fact illegal if it was uh, done to to launder funds that were illegally obtained and the more that comes out about this uh, w- the more we'll know exactly which lines were crossed but the key point is that it does seem that putin has some leverage over him and that's why uh, no one in his campaign was surprised when the russian government contacted uh, don junior and said that uh, the, a russian government lawyer wanted to meet to Provide uh, campaign intelligence, uh, and that it was part of the Russian government's support for his presidential campaign. So I, I think there's some information yet to come out, and that an impeachment investigation could help bring this out. But what we already know is is damning enough. His his campaign's willingness to take that meeting, his consistent denials of any deals or business with Russia, even as we now know that he was still negotiating for a Trump Tower in Moscow uh, mm-hmm. for most of the 2016 presidential election campaign. Uh, his continued denials well into 2017. We just learned a few days ago that his campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was sharing polling data with uh, with Konstantin Kolimnik, who's a, a member of Russian military intelligence, we already know enough, if not to finalize the case, certainly to start the investigation.
0: Okay. When that investigation is done, and I want to move away from listing uh, Trump's potential crimes or legal difficulties, but one thing that stood out from the uh, letter of intent that he signed to develop the Trump Tower in Moscow was that uh, Putin was to be given a free apartment, the, that the, the top floor, I think it was, a penthouse was to be given as a gift to Putin. And I can see how many people would see, you know, say immediately, that stinks like hell as a bribe. But if you're somebody doing business in somewhere like uh, uh, Russia and you want to sell lots and lots of multi-million dollar apartments in the center of Moscow, that could also be viewed as a pretty smart marketing move. Hey, buy an apartment and pay, you know, pay a premium because the president of a country owns an apartment in this apartment block. To what degree do you think there's a danger that there is, even if it's not so plausible, that there are second explanations for a lot of the things that he's done that you could say, well, you know, this is just business.
1: Congress passed a law in the 1970s called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act that was Mm -hmm. designed to answer that very question. And the the question is whether U.S. companies uh, doing business abroad uh, in countries which sometimes do uh, require bribes as part of uh, doing business are permitted to do that. Uh, And the answer is no. And the foreign corrupt practices
0: act. But I don't mean a bribe. I mean something that's a smart marketing move. So, for example, uh, if you're a super, I'm guessing you're not a supermodel, but if you were a supermodel, you might find out that uh, the manufacturer of a particular car will just give you a free car in the hope that you'll be photographed driving it around. And the manufacturer of maybe uh, whatever apparel or handbags or whatever will give them to you for free. They're not really bribes. That's just a marketing, uh, a marketing move, isn't it?
1: Well, I, I don't know exactly how the, the supermodel analogy would play out. But when you're, light, when you're negotiating for a, a deal for a, a, a business in a, a foreign country and you offer a free apartment to the president of that country, that's a pretty clear violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and just general common sense about uh, what, what bribery is. And the Trump organization has been notorious for uh, playing fast and loose with these principles. It, uh, in fact, Trump uh, had said in public that he thought that the, the law was a burden. Um, and, and that it, it should be revised, but it hasn't been revised to his liking. And there was another case in another country, um, which is Azerbaijan, where mm-hmm. the Trump organization basically turned a blind eye to its its local partners' um, uh, uh, engagement in bribery and violation of sanctions against Iran. And the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act is also very clear that you can't uh, – be like an ostrich and put your head in the sand uh, and and avoid the fact that your local partners uh, are uh, engaged in these types of corrupt activities. So when you put it all together, let's step back. What mm-hmm. we have here is a picture of uh, somebody who, for years, having failed in U.S. business, being unable to get credit from most uh, U.S. banks, uh, has turned to Uh, foreign uh, despots, tycoons, oligarchs, and and as you say, in in, in Russia, you you need to be close with Putin or at least approved by Putin in order to amass wealth. He's turned to these sources of money to to fund his businesses and his his lavish lifestyle and with complete disregard for the laws about corruption and managed to, to ride this all the way into the White House. He might have gotten away with a lot of this if he had never run for president because the enforcement on some of these laws has been lax historically. But now that we finally are starting to see it, the image of a corrupt president who was a a corrupt businessman and is now uh, pocketing even further payments to profit off of the presidency by fattening himself with foreign dictators' money is extremely troubling.
0: Okay. Um, That's the law of it. To move on to the politics, when do you think the Democrats will start impeachment proceedings?
1: Well, we've been advocating for impeachment proceedings to be started for a long time, including uh, under the Republican House. But unfortunately, uh, right now, the uh, leadership of the Democrats in the House has been slow rolling uh, anything regarded to impeachment. There's substantial support from the rank and file and from the grassroots, but uh, the, the Speaker of the House is, is trying to put the brakes on it. So we're trying to make that case to change that.
0: Politically, do you think that she should authorize a machine gun approach or a sniper approach?
1: We think she should authorize an investigation. So an investigation... Sure, yeah, but you I, can I investigate a hundred e-
0: things. No, no, but you understand my point, that she could start, from what you say, perhaps dozens of investigations, or she could just focus like a laser beam on the one weakest point, which do you think is politically smarter?
1: Oh, I understand your question, no. Uh, we think that the committee should be given the rein to uh, to follow the evidence where it leads, and an impeachment inquiry can look beyond just the laws on the statute books in order to find uh, what whatever the facts may bring mm-hmm. and the the grounds for impeachment hearings may expand as time goes on. That that certainly happened in the case of Richard Nixon. And the key part is to start the the hearings, to start the inquiry. And at that point, we'll be able to talk about the scope of the inquiry. But in the meantime, uh, until that investigation starts, that's got to be the primary focus is, is launching the investigation.
0: Okay. Um, can you tell me, do you think that at the, that's at the start, do you think towards the end of the process, it will end up with an indictment or with some sort of political deal that he he would perhaps leave office in return for uh, investigations being
1: halted, it's hard to predict at this point. We we do have some historical precedent uh, in in the 1970s. Uh, the vice president under Richard Nixon uh, resigned under criminal indictment as part of a, a plea agreement, and then ultimately Richard Nixon himself, the president, resigned uh, in exchange, uh, essentially in exchange uh, for a full pardon for his crimes. Uh,
0: Agnew was the pre- was the vice president, yes.
1: Agnew was the, was the vice president who yeah who resigned as part of a plea deal. Uh, Richard Nixon uh, shortly afterwards ended up uh, resigning and was then given a full pardon from Gerald Ford, who by that time had become the vice president and then succeeded to the presidency on Nixon's resignation. Uh, We think that it's important to, to remember that the purpose of impeachment, again, is to protect the country, not to punish the offender. So the question of his criminal liability is actually separate from the question of his impeachment but it is not uh, unreasonable to speculate as to how it might play out and what i think is the, the best outcome is for him to leave office whether through resignation or through uh, in, you know the full impeachment and conviction process and then let the criminal process play out separately
0: So President Pence
1: yeah, and, and and President Pence uh, will then you know have to uh, make the decisions uh, about um, you know how far he uh, intends to go in terms of whether he's going to adhere to the the constitutional limits uh, and and you know finish out the presidency uh, without crossing those boundaries or if he's going to uh, do the same type of things as, as Trump. But I, I have confidence that. With uh, an impeachment process going through, that Congress would be emboldened to be uh, a check on the power of President Pence at that point. Do you think Cohen will testify against him? I think Michael Cohen has uh, given up uh, any hope of the president ever doing anything for him. And I think Michael Cohen will be fully prepared to testify. And he knows a lot of what the Trump Organization has been involved in for over a decade. I think he has quite a story to tell.
0: I'm not going to ask you for your full life story, but um, I'm thinking more of the reasoning, the, the, the motivation. What moved you from the EPA to deciding to write this book?
1: Well, I left the Environmental Protection Agency because I had become convinced that the biggest obstacle to environmental protection in our country uh, was the influence of uh – Unchecked uh, wealth, uh, wealthy interests, big money in politics, uh, distorting the political process. And so, Free Speech for People, our organization, was founded to fight the influence of big money in politics. And that's the work that we have focused on since our founding in 2010. What happened with the presidential election was that when Trump announced that he was not going to separate himself from his businesses. We realized that this was actually the biggest uh, case of the unholy uh, intermingling of uh, wealth and business in, in politics, and that our constitutional democracy needed to have uh, a check on this type of mixing of, of business and the presidency. And that's why we started sounding the call for impeachment investigations when he refused to separate himself from his businesses.
0: I don't know if you're a betting man. If you were, how long would you give Trump in office?
1: I think that an impeachment process uh, can be wrapped up by the summer. Uh, the investigation will certainly take weeks, uh, reasonably over a month, um, but it, it doesn't need to be a year-long process. And uh, when you go through the, the steps of the committee investigation, the uh, House vote, and then a Senate trial, it could be done uh, by the summer. Uh, in terms of you know predictions, all I'm going to say is that if you look at the precedents of uh, Uh, let's say the Nixon impeachment process, people were predicting all the way up until the end that Nixon would survive the process, that he would uh, come out stronger even. And right up until the end, things changed rapidly. And all of a sudden he was gone. There's an editorial from a major newspaper in May uh, of 1974, just as impeachment hearings were started, in which they said there isn't a ghost of a chance that the Senate will vote to convict Richard Nixon. And three months from that editorial, he was he'd resigned. And I I think the same could happen with Trump.
0: Ron Fine, Constitution lawyer and the co author of The Constitution Demands It, the case for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much. Never miss a show. Follow at ChallengingO on Twitter and like Challenging Opinions on Facebook for updates on each show's contents. Go to the website for sources and links to what we were talking about and while you're there, please like the show on Facebook, follow at on Twitter and follow Ron Fine at Ron Fine and his organisation Free Speech for People at FSFP and get in touch with us if you can suggest a guest or topic for a future show. I now have a Patreon account, thanks to the people who've signed up as patrons so far. I really appreciate that. It means that we can devote more time to research and finding interesting guests, and hopefully we'll be doing that in future. And if you could do the same as them and sponsor the show for a dollar or two per show or per month, all the details are on the website. And you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast for free on your computer, on your phone, or by email. It's all at www.challengingopinions.com. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. The assistant producer is Nick Albertson. Thank you for listening.